Knowledge is power. and how this I can make it a great experience for them. Right, right. So um, I would say I do, I do speak to like the leader side in all of us fairly often. Um, the podcast kind of started as a mental health podcast, um, just talking about like depression and our inner experience and um, what you can do to make it better sort of thing. A lot of people sharing their personal experience. Um, and so I think the audience is probably people looking for like those little golden nuggets of advice to, to make their life a little bit better than it is, you know? Okay. So awesome. If that helps. Yeah, that helps. Wonderful. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Junkyard Love podcast. I am here with Nikki and Nani. Uh, it's, it's so great to have you on today. Um, I've got a, got a little bit of notes here, but like I said, we'll just kind of keep it casual and, uh, and see, see where it falls in. So I would love to start um, with your bio, with, with your background, what it is that you do. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Jacob. I'm excited about our very organic conversation. Um, I, in a nutshell, help business owners build legacy enterprises. So move from lifetime businesses to legacy. And who am I? I'm a second generation business owner myself. Um, I'm based in Austin, Texas, very recently moved here from Lagos, Nigeria, about six weeks ago. And my journey into helping folks in legacy planning was very much intertwined with my life journey. So my father started off our business the year I was born. And this was back in Lagos, Nigeria. And at age nine, myself, my mom and my brothers, we moved to the UK. So I, I was far from the business for many years. And I went to university in London. I worked in corporate in Deloitte for a few years, but I found it so dull. It didn't inspire me. And I felt a bit lost as well. So I decided to take some time off and travel. And my first stop was to go to Nigeria to work with my dad just for a few months. And so all the time whilst myself and my, my brothers and my mum were in the UK, he stayed back and was building out the business. So by the time I came back for my short stint, I was only supposed to be back for three months. Um, the business had completely changed from when I was a child. Um, it was now a construction company, a real estate development company and an engineering company. Mm. And there were now 3000 members of staff and but that was very informal so it was a huge culture shock from coming from london from nice and tidy deloitte and yeah the cultural change um, the industry change and everything and but i it was what lit me up so it was contrast from my experience in deloitte because like i said i was thoroughly bored but here everything was on fire like the entrepreneurship opportunities and Lagos. Um, I just really loved it that there was such a huge opportunity to add tremendous value to customers and wider stakeholders, communities, whilst uplifting folks in that journey um, through the trickle down economic effect. Right. Um, 
And so to cut a long story short, I didn't leave. I stayed past my three months. I was there for 10 years, actually. And but I found that there was very little help out there to help navigating with integrating into a family enterprise. There was very little help out there with helping to build a legacy business. And but I thought that it was really important that businesses like my dad's shouldn't just die when he dies. But unfortunately, the data in Nigeria was that only 2% of businesses would outlive founders like my father. And so essentially, I got trained up with Family Firm Institute in Boston to become a certified family business advisor. And that started my journey um, with first putting in the governance succession planning with our family enterprise to see that it would outlive um, dad and hopefully even my generation and then helping other folks to do the same. So that's, that's how I got here. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. What a journey. I was thinking about, um, I feel like many people might, I mean, 3000 people is a big deal of course, but I think many people may even overlook that um, intuition to, you know, because you decided I'm going to travel for a while. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do. And you don't know exactly what you're looking for. In the first spot you go, you go back and just to, to make the decision to say, okay, I think actually this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I think mm. a lot of people might, might overlook that, you know, maybe they might keep, keep searching. Maybe they need a couple more years, travel a couple more places. So, I mean, it's pretty powerful and, and awesome really that you were able to, to grab hold of that when you went back on your first place. I must say it was a gradual process. Yeah. So it was, so the plan when I was in London before I came to Nigeria was I'll be in Lagos for three months. I'll go traveling in the Far East for six months and I'll go to business school um, the following September. And I remember at the end of the three months, I was like, I don't want to go. Let me extend it for another three. And then at the end of those three, it was like, I don't want to go. Let me extend it for another year. Because I was still, I was on a career break with Deloitte at this point. So I've been given one year um, off work and I extended that to two years. And at the end of the two years, I was like, I'm not going anywhere. This is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Um, the, it was just on fire. I just, I, I got, I love the entrepreneur's life. Yeah. The fact that you're just creating things that other people need. It wasn't really so much about money, but really that value creation that I just really loved. And also, like I said, in, in, unfortunately in Nigeria, we are the poverty capital of the world. And so in this process of economic value creation, you are adding tremendous economic value to folks that really do need jobs, really do need um, opportunities. So that really... Um, I really enjoyed that. So yeah, it wasn't it wasn't as soon as I got to Nigeria, I was like, yes, I'm gonna be here for mm -hmm. 10 years. <laughs> it was really like, you know what? Let me just see where this takes me right. and see whether this is where I feel I'm supposed to be at this point in time. Yeah, yeah. Take take it step by step. I, I like that. Um just thinking about okay, so when you got there, yeah, we have three three thousand people, and um, it, it sounds like it was un unorganized a, a bit, or or maybe just just not prepared for that amount of people, that much scale. I'm I'm sure. So, what are the things? I'm sure you learned a ton. Um, but what are, what are some of the things that you learned that that you were able to take back and say, all right, here's what we got to do different. 
here's where we need these people. Here's where we need these people. Cause I'm sure you kind of like were a total maestro coming back in after going in and, and, and taking that class, learning about what you need to be doing, mm-hmm. coming back in and implementing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what were some of the major changes that, that you found yourself having to make or implement? Organization. <laughs> yeah. Um, the importance of HR. Um, as not just an administrative function, not just paying salaries and making sure that people are granting leave, right? But really being as a strategic function. So aligning that with the top line, where's this all heading? Like the culture we want to build, the vision, the mission, um, and then cascading that all through the organization, um, having clarity of the goals of the company and being able to translate that to departments and then to individuals. Then we had a huge issue with ghost workers when I moved back. So we were a construction company. We had 110 projects across the country and it was largely manual. So the only software people were using was literally like Excel, Microsoft Word and emails. So yeah, there was a lot of leakage. So looking at just putting in controls. So I brought an internal audit, um, biometric um, time and attendance verifications, um, doing lots of kind of spot checks of the the salaries that were being paid to whom a lot of the time found that these people didn't exist or they'd left the firm years back. It was just, it was a horrible experience. Yeah, it was a horrible experience. Um, And then also delineating functions and roles. A lot of the time, someone would be like, yes, I'm a procurement officer. That's what I was hired for, but actually I'm doing admin work. Mm -hmm. And you'd find there was a lot of duplication in that regard. So there's lots of inefficiency. So doing job description audits. um, Okay, this is what you were hired for. What are you actually doing? Um, Do we need to update your JD? Do we actually then need you in this department? Do you need to be moved somewhere else? Do we need you for stop um, in the company? Um, So there's a lot of tedious work in that regard. A lot on people management and also on on finance. Finance too was also largely informal. Um, And and then how does that, how does that, map over to kind of like the work that you find yourself doing with with other companies like where where they're hiring you to come in um Mm. do you find a lot of the kind of similar things where maybe businesses grew too quickly or they you know they just didn't put the the correct scaffolding in in place or precisely a lot of business businesses grew too quickly and the growth is centered around an individual and so it's very um founder centric and instead of building an institution where so typically you'll see that the founder is surrounded by helpers you do this you do that okay I've done it (laughs) just task masters as opposed to co-builders um and so yeah I always say that if you're trying to build a legacy enterprise um if it's going to outlive the founder the founder has to be able to spend a week or two away from the business and the business can function without him or her. Right. If we can't do that, then we can't even talk about generational. Um, and so the very first step is 
business foundations, HR, finance, standard operating procedures, processes, procedures, all that. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So, so yeah, a large part of your work is, is obviously helping with, um, uh, intergenerational, uh, yeah. business. Yeah. So, so w- what does that look like? I mean, do you have, or do you find yourself working with a lot of, you know, father son sort of situations or, you know, a few, few tears down, um, is, is are a lot of their issues kind of just typical father son, not getting along type stuff or, or mm-hmm. what do you see often there? I've seen father son, mother, daughter, cross genders, sometimes siblings teams with fathers. Right. Yeah. Um, a lot of the time, the conflict arises because the founder, mum or dad, is finding it really difficult to let go. So they've been the one that built this business from inception. Right. And they say it, they want to retire, but in reality, they're hugging it and stifling this business and no one else can get a word in. And that's the really the crux of the matter and that's what's causing a lot of conflict. And that's when I'm pulled into the room, right? Okay, we want to succession plan, um, but how do we actually go about doing this? Or there's a lot of sibling rivalry, mm. you know, um, in that regard. Or the, the unfortunate has happened, the founder that has passed away, and it's like, okay, what do we actually need to do? Yeah, yeah. What steps do we need to take? Um, unfortunately, we don't want that situation where it's in crisis when we're planning. It makes it a lot more difficult. Um, ideally, we want to plan as early as yesterday. <laughs> yesterday is always, you know, ideal. It's never too early to start planning, um, legacy planning, because it takes time. It takes time for the family to come together and start having a cadence of conversations on where's this going? Right. What's our purpose? How do we fit into this? I think that's probably questions that you probably propose to to companies, and they that might be the first time they've really thought about it. Like, what are our values? Where are we? Where are we? You know, steering this ship. What do we want in ten years? What's our scalable goals, or or, or whatever? You know, and that's something that even in all of our personal lives, you know, is is helpful helpful to do. As I'm learning, as I'm getting older, just stumbling into walls and and whatnot, figuring it out. I'm 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 more and more in favor of having a what, what am I aiming at? You know, I think that would yeah. actually be helpful. Yeah. I think we've all been conditioned just to do, just keep doing things. Right. Right. As opposed to be and to actually take a step back and have full clarity as to what is the purpose of this. And, you know, so Jacob has, is able to articulate his vision, his values, his purpose, but you've also got other folks in this process as well. Right. Um, so how do you then galvanize a team, your family members, to also co- co-create the vision, the mission, the purpose, and the values? Right. So often folks haven't given sufficient thought to this um, because they're seemingly more pressing, urgent matters to deal with making money in the business, making daily decisions, working in the business. but. We have to make the time to work on the business um, and in a family business that entails creating emotional room um, 
a time, a cadence for challenging conversations, unfortunately. Because mm. it's it's not something that is just, right, you've got four options. Which one do you like? Red, pink, or blue? Would mm. you like meat or fish? No, it's not. It really takes deep introspection. Um, it takes considered conversation to collectively arrive at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And those are, you know, those are difficult questions to ask. Yeah. And they're, they're certainly not like a, a check, check the box and, and we'll choose which one. Those are in, in-depth long conversations, you know, looking at the future of, you know, everyone involved personally and financially and uh, what the overall goals are, are going to be. Um, so what do you, uh, when, when it comes to leadership, what, 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 what do you, how about this? How do you define leadership? Hmm. Um, I often say that, <clears throat> excuse me, leader comes from an old English word, which is go before as a guide. Um, so as a leader, you facilitate, you inspire, you motivate. You've gone before everyone else around you have an idea of vision where we're heading and you're just influencing and motivating, rallying people along on the journey to come with you. Um, it's not rulership. It's not power over. It's not domineering. It's, it's inspiring. Mm, I like that. That's a, that's a mm. fantastic definition for leadership. So do you find different leadership styles in, um, you know, I, I think of just our, our older generations and then, you know, uh, just the younger generations, millennials, Gen Z, whatever, just because technology has changed what we do, how we do it, why we do it. It's it just changed so much. It's really taken over um, a, a lot of what we do. And I feel like it brings out different different ideas in us as leaders. You know, um, I, sure. I, I imagine there's probably just a big disconnect in the types of leadership um, mm -hmm. in the places we want to take things older generations versus versus the young um yeah. do, do, do you find <clears throat> excuse me do, do you find that um that that like technology and maybe taking risks or um uh getting away from you know because at, at some point when you have a business it mm -hmm. works it works great to have you know handshakes and emails and just microsoft excel and and whatnot but at, and then you at some point you got to build a website and it's got to mm -hmm. work well and then you mm -hmm. got to have social media and so th i imagine there's probably a lot of um resistance to that sort of growth do you do you find um a, a lot of that sort of thing for sure i think typically you'll find that the older generation will focus on this is how what we did to get to where we are so why should we have to do things any differently mm -hmm. Whereas the next generation, the younger folks are more future focused. Well, this is the way the future looks like it's going towards and we need to catch up. Otherwise, we're going to be irrelevant. And that can create this chasm between the generations where it's there's a resistance to change and there's a real hunger for change on the other side. And it's to bridge that process. Um, we, we do need the resiliency of the old, but we also need the novel of the new. And back to your point on um, leadership, I think, and tech, I think tech has kind of, it's, it's rewritten the game, like all the rules of the game, right? Because a lot of the older folk ruled by position. 
through their titles and their authority. And there was a lot of information asymmetry, right, with the folks on the field and those up in the boardroom. But now, from our fingertips, it's like, no, this, we've got the data <laughs> mm-hmm. and we're empowered and we've got, you know, we're leaders in our own right. And so there's also been like a cultural shift away from that positional um, to really more the younger generation wants to be inspired. They don't want to be um, told what to do. They want to really connect with why, the true purpose. Um, and there's huge kind of skepticism and yeah, there's a lot of, um, what's the word? Skepticism and what's the word I'm looking for? Just sus- suspicion. Mm, suspicion, okay. Yeah, we're a very suspicious generation, um, <laughs> millennials. We don't like institutions. Right. Um, and so we don't want you to tell us what to do. Show us why we have to do it. Show us the bigger picture. Show us how it's adding value. Um be authentic. So these are all the kind of generational gaps we typically see is in the style of leadership, um, which is apparent in family firms as well. This can really hinder collaboration um, because both generations are just talking over each other. It's like they're speaking different languages mm-hmm. and are unable to come together and truly collaborate. And that's a lot of the work that I do is to bridge that gap. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, just sidestepping really, really quick. I'm actually in Austin, Texas as, Texas as well. Um, really? I just moved out here like four months ago. Yeah, so I was just curious, <laughs> what, what brings you what brings you out to Austin? Oh, that's so cool. Um, we wanted a new beginning. Same. Yeah, like in January, we're like, we're done. <laughs> we need to move. Yeah. So we decided in, in April, we came, myself and my husband came out to check it out. Like, um, because we decided on Austin without ever visiting Austin. Mm-hmm. Same here. Yeah. <laughs> and making this international moves a bit, a bit of a gamble. Um, so we decided let's actually check it out first. And we loved it. Yeah. And by May, he was here. And July, myself and the kids came. Yeah, that's so awesome. Yeah, it's it's uh it's been similar, similar for me. Um just kind of needed some change a lot of difference happens and so so i'm out here i feel like there's a lot of people i mean of course there is a lot of people that have moved to austin you know yeah from from really from everywhere um and i'm i'm really interested to see what it does to to like the culture you know it's gonna be really cool you know the the next the next 10 years like everybody coming here with with their ideas and their individual um, perception and how they see it you know like so so what do you see I'm, i'm sure that you're probably naturally you probably watched, you know, business trends and like cultural trends, mm-hmm. kind of w- where things might be going. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think about the future of, of places like Austin with a bunch of people moving here? Oh, for sure. I'm super passionate about cognitive diversity, right? And the way we think, which is shaped by our life experiences, who we are and things. And I strongly believe that more diverse teams well, not just the existence of the diversity, but truly in, true inclusion leads to co-creation of better solutions because of the different kind of worldviews that we're all coming with. And we've got um, Western culture, which is very individualistic, promoting, you know, pursuit of independence and um, 
whereas in other cultures you've got collectivist cultures like in Africa, um, Middle East and Asia, which is more collectivist and really um, more about the community, more about upholding one's honor, reputation. So I think this confluence and this kind of melting pot of different people with different experiences and different ideas might bring about better social solutions mm. as well as stronger um, business ideas as well. So I think it's, it's exciting. I think what from everything I've experienced so far, super inclusive. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's really up and coming. It's like this melting pot of everyone is here. <laughs> yeah, it feels like that for real. Yeah. And I think we're going to see really cool ideas come out in business sphere as well as in social space as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think so, too. Um, obviously, of, co- of course, you have your, your finger on the pulse closer than I do. But just as kind of a, a creator and someone who enjoys culture and um, just as, as like my my view as as an artist or whatever I'll call myself, um, I, it, I I'm just I'm so like, wow, this is going to be really cool. I'm very excited, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and I'm I think uh, it's cool. You know, we have people people like Tesla or um, Elon Musk moving out here with, with Tesla. And um, I think HP moved out here, you know, Joe mm-hmm. Rogan moved out here and he's bringing all these comedians. So that I mean, if you have a bunch of comedians coming into a town, you're definitely going to have the culture changed, you know. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I'm just really, really, it's very exciting and, and I'm, I'm happy to be here and welcome. I'm glad you're here too. Thank you. Thank um, you. so the, so do you have any, um, any, any companies or any of like the big popular people, maybe, maybe Tesla that people look up to, what, what are some good aspiring, um, companies that have good cultures that we might be able to point at and, and mm. learn from? Mm. That's a really good question. Um, I would say Tesla's a great one. Amazon's a great one. Um, these are companies that encourage in innovation, creative thinking, allow for fail, fail, fail fast. Mm. Fail as fast as possible so you can get back up because not only do we have to allow for diversity of thought um, or diverse teams rather, both in families and in business, we also naturally have to ensure that these folks that are diverse actually have a voice. We, we listen and encourage them to speak, which is inclusion. Um, so having their voice heard at the table, but not only it's not enough just to have their voice heard at the table, we want everyone to be empowered, to be agents, to challenge the status quo, to be able to be like, hey, Jacob, I'm not sure that's a good idea because this might not work or we've done this and it's failing. We need to try something new because it's, it's in that place that we see true creativity and unlock innovation. Just looking at the macro, we're going to see it's been disruptive. It's going to get even more disruptive. Um, the rate of technological innovation is exponential and will continue to be so. So we cannot be static. We have to be dynamic. We have to, um, not just um, adapt to the times, we have to create the future. And that can only happen if we're creating cultures where challenging is the norm. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I like that. That that's I, I mean, I completely agree. I think that's that's what it is. I mean, if you can create this business to be an organism that is, you know, self correcting, like on all of its different aspects, all of its nodes, you know, your employees are your are your different edges of of it. And when they see something that maybe you can't see because you're working on your, you know, your area, um, yeah, it's it's worth it's worth listening. Yeah, I don't think I don't think having a dictator at the top saying yes or no all the time is is incredibly help helpful. I think that age is gone. Um, and we have to normalize. Everyone must feel safe to make a mistake. Mm. Yeah, because it's we have to normalize risk taking to some extent, right? Mm -hmm. The safety um, that even I'm going to try something new, even if it doesn't work, it's fine. I learned something from it as opposed to um, I have to stay safe. And just to the line of best fit. So I fit in and I don't stand out. That is not going to unlock innovation and creativity. Mm. Mm. Um, okay. So do you see, I, I, I think, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not in it. Um, I, I like, so, so I don't see, I kind of see more of like the news articles and what you hear here and there, but, um, you know, with our, with our, our interesting culture right now, um, in inclusivity is so important and it is great, but I do see a lot of like overcorrection of it, of it. Um, I see a lot of, uh, we're, we're like mimicking, we're like doing like the mime version of it. We're doing the acting version of it, making sure everybody mm -hmm. knows that, that we're inclusive instead of actually, actually doing it. Do, do you find a lot of that? Yes. It's exhausting. It's a lot yeah. of eye service. It's like a PR campaign. Virtue signaling of senses. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's it's making me crazy. I, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's BS. That's not what that's not inclusivity, right? Yeah. It's not about festivals and Women's Day and those things are great. Um, but it's really about creating cultures that really make room for people that look different and are different. Yeah, where everyone can say, "I belong here. My ideas belong here. My mistakes belong here." And everyone can take not only kind of legal ownership, I'm an employee, or, but also emotional ownership. Like, um, I truly belong and I, I truly desire for the best for this organization. And so I pour my best into the organization mm -hmm. and the organization reciprocates. Right. Yeah, like that's the identity we should be meeting at. Like yeah. our, our community identity, like that's what we where we should act from. We, we we meet each other on these incorrect levels, and then think we need to react and respond to them. And it's like, I don't care about that. We're just yeah. we're here to to create a community and, and build a business together. Let's talk about that. And I think also, I have very strong views on this. <laughs> um, I think also we rob people of their individuality because then it's like oh all women this is the issues women face or black people these are the issues black people face or um you know lgbtq people this and we're all individual there's a lot of nuance right um i've had a number of people ask me oh, okay um critical race theory what do you think of abcd i'm like i'm six weeks into being in the u.s my lived experience is very different from an african-american we have the same hair we have the same skin color but my lived experience it's very different. I cannot tell you that um, we have the same life experiences. And I've had people of Caribbean origin say the same thing, um, where it's like, 
that's not necessarily the same for us. Like there's some, some similarities, but there's also some nuance. And I think it's the same for any groups of people. There's, we're all individual. And we just want our individuality to be recognized. And we don't want to be shamed, belittled, be denied access because of whoever we are, right? Let's just make room for people's differences and be curious about people's differences rather than judge them. I think there's a judging that happens when we just put people into categories and just assume um, their issues and without really being curious to learn about each individual. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I I find that, I mean, through my lived experience, through my conversations, when you don't meet people on, on the level of like, you know, what the news is telling us, we should look at this part of their identity, you know, it's just, just be with them and, and talk with them and, and you'll find that, you know, you're probably going to get along with them, with, with them just fine. I think the, you know, technology and, and, and news and social media and a lot of this, it kind of takes us out of our, definitely takes us out of our present, you know, where we're kind of living up, up in our minds in these like, um, stories that are written about stories that are told, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and they're saying this is this is what it actually is. So we're kind of fighting this 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 phantom sometimes in, in, in a way, you know, and, and I think that getting present and just, you know, dealing with with who you're dealing with in our everyday life is, is kind of more the way to go, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's a uh, and it's it's also interesting to note that uh, this area of conversation is like an eggshell area in, in in a sense like we're not allowed to to talk about it uh, i i did a did a couple episodes on cancel culture actually with a friend of mine um mm. who's just a an armchair philosopher and we're kind of just like like what is this why are we paying so much attention to this you know and it's i think we really do need to just get back to back in in, in our heads in our bodies and just deal with what what's in front of us um I, I did want to it, it, thank you for your for your opinions on that too, um, Nikki. Um, so I, I did want to I was thinking about first generation businesses. Mm-hmm. So people who um, are starting to get some growth, they're they're the ones with the idea. They're the founders. They're getting employees. Things are growing. Maybe they have a couple stores. Maybe they have a couple locations. Um, you know, at, at what point should we start thinking about? tightening up like well, all right let's actually get our get our 10-year plan you know what, mm-hmm. what do we need to be to be thinking i actually have one friend in particular who um he's a clothing company um i feel he's gonna be very successful here he has multiple stores um he started out uh, i used to he used to sell t-shirts out of his trunk at parties that i would dj and wow. now he's got multiple stores and he's just a really cool guy um but he has he has a child on the way if if not uh, already has a child and so i imagine in a few years he's going to start thinking like all right, what, what do I want to do with this business and, mm-hmm. and how do I want to expand and how do I want to, you know, teach my kid about it or bring my kid into it? I'm, I'm not sure. So just kind of w- w- what's on my head. So um, tell me about first generational business. What's, what's our mindset here? I think with first geners, um, I always say there's a distinction between um, maturity and age, right? just as we all know some old folk that are not mature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's no correlation often it's the same with businesses so quite often you have um, a business might be in a startup phase where you're trying to prove the concepts and get its commerciality at pre pre it's being able to stand on its own two feet and generate consistent revenue and profits that's a, 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 a business that's really in baby mode 
And I wouldn't invest a lot of time thinking, doing deep planning at that stage. However, once the business has crossed that threshold, you need to be planning yesterday. Um, so just as in construction, because I have a construction background, you, you start with the end in mind. You have your architectural drawings, you have your engineering plans. You need to know because you need to know that the load bearing capacity of the foundations, dependent on the height of the building and the materials that you're going to use and the design of the house is similar, right? So ideally we want to start your legacy planning um, as soon as the business demonstrate that it's viable. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have all the details and you know what role Johnny's going to play in 30 years time in the business, it's probably impossible, right? Um, but it is really gaining clarity on like what we were talking about earlier, clarity of mission, vision and conviction and starting to have expose your children to the business. Um, they might not be the leaders of the business, but they will probably be the owners of the business in the future. And that comes with responsibility. And as owners, we don't want them to be just legal owners without emotional ownership. We really want them to care about the business. And that's only going to happen when they've, you don't fall in love with what you don't know. Um, so you want to, from as early as possible, just talk about the business, take them to the office. And that doesn't necessarily mean you impose it upon them and demand that they take over, but you just naturally show them, expose them. Yeah. And they may become curious. They may be, okay, dad, um, I want to spend more time. I want to intern. Um, I'd like to study something along this line at college. I'd like to plug into networks. And then you know that, okay, this one has a flair for the business. Whereas another child might be like, this is boring. Boring, yeah. What, what role are we playing in the community? Yeah. How can we help folks that are less, you know, not as well off, well off as us? And then, you know, this, this, this child has a flair for like philanthropy or community CSR and things like that. So, or you might have a child that's like, we need to think about life insurance. We need to think about structuring our assets. We need to think about other investments. And then, you know, okay, this one seems to be very good at diversification, but guess what? We need the confluence of all three skills right. to build a business of the future. Yeah. Um, because it's it's really thinking through the technical structuring as well as leading the business, as well as, okay, what other assets do we have as a family and how can we protect the family? So. Yeah, I would say start with the end in mind, start to create a cadence for these conversations with family, uh, with your spouse, if possible, um, with your kids um, from an early age to really, and also expose them from an early age because legacy is long-term. It takes time. It's not something you figure out in 90 days. Um, and it takes intentionality. It takes intentionality. It takes time for your kids to develop their leadership. And I mean that, mean that in the broad sense, right? I don't mean whether they're going to lead the business. I mean, even as a philanthropist, you're a leader. Even as an investor, you're a leader. It takes time for them to develop that. And it takes time for them to develop, to become visionaries. 
it's like we said, as a leader, you're going before as a guide. So you have a, a picture of what this is about. You're not just tactical. You're not just functional. You're not just, you know, a doer. Um, it takes time for them to develop that. And then it also takes time for them to come together and practice leading together because the business will go from lead, being led by dad or mom to in the next generation being collectively led by three, four siblings, taking joint ownership decisions. Are we going to sell the business or where are we expanding into as strategic um, advisors, potentially as board members and things. So there's many moving parts that we have to start thinking about. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, so, okay. So how about, how about let's do second and third generation then? Um, mm. So, so people who, um, in, in, in that, I also think about um, new ideas, uh, maybe sidesteps, pivoting, um, that, that, that sort of thing. Cause I imagine that could be, you know, that could be a wonderful thing that could all, that could all probably also be the death of, of a company, you know, uh, if it's not planned out uh, adequately, or if the sidestep or pivot is too far away from the, from the original um, thing that the business set out, set out to do. So yeah, let's, mm. let's talk about second and third generation. How do we think differently there? It's pretty similar but it gets more complex because now you're moving from siblings to cousins. All right. And who've not grown up in the same household, right? And um, at least with siblings, we all were led by mom and dad. We knew what they all stood for. We've probably imbibed similar cultures to some extent. There'll, there'll be variations, right? But now with cousins, sometimes you've never met them. They're halfway across the world, across yeah. the country. Have completely different views um and so it becomes even more important to focus on that team formation that clarity of vision mission and conviction because guess what that's a dynamic concept it's not something that oh henry the eighth <laughs> decided in yeah, yeah. <laughs> 1466 that this is a, it it has to evolve with the times and with the stakeholders um so we have to start thinking about family learning, being intentional about family retreats, spending time together, being intentional about, um, yeah, collectively ideating on this vision, mission, um, conviction. And we have to be, we have to start running the family almost like a company. We have to create governance, committees, um, decision-making processes to minimize conflict. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, how do you think of uh, you've you've used the word legacy a couple times, and uh, I think I actually I heard you mention it in another podcast I was listening to as well, um, and I I think I remember you having a good explanation around it. So, how, how do you think of the word legacy? Mm. I think of it as something that outlives you. So it's sowing a seed today, and you might not necessarily get the immediate returns in that the fruit of that seed won't bud immediately. Um, the totality of that fruit won't um, bud immediately, but it's gonna create a tree with so many fruits for future generations to benefit from. That's legacy. Um, there's a quote and I forget who said it. It's legacy is not giving someone something, it's giving people the ability, it's a skill. 
which I love because back to your point on like pivoting and reinventing so 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 apt um all the studies on family enduring family businesses and enterprises are those where every generation brings something new so Mm. they either go into a new market or new product new service new investment new joint venture and so the legacy really is not just the cash in the bank or the manufacturing plant is really the imbibing of that entrepreneurial skill. And when I say entrepreneurial skill, I, I'm not just talking to those next geners or the rising generation that have an inclination for entrepreneurship, um, because I believe the mindset of entrepreneurship is so, so, so powerful and it permeates through different aspects of life. So even the philanthropist needs an entrepreneurial mindset. Mm. Um, the investor, the impact person, the social person, the employee, um, being an entrepreneur is just the ability to create something that adds value <laughs> to people and being able to make it sustainable, right? Um, from a money perspective. So, so, so yeah, um, I think it's really, really important that we do legacy is not just about what people are going to inherit. It's also the skills that they're learning, which is why learning is so important for business families, learning together, learning individually, learning um, the stories of the, you know, the origins of the business and the business founder, but also learning about the failures. Mm. Yeah, I think even even having uh, just a growth mindset when it comes to learning uh, is just as an individual is helpful to the overall business. I mean, I, I, again, I had listened to you on, on some podcasts and you mentioned Brene Brown, you mentioned Simon Sinek. I love both of them. Um, and so it sounds like you, you are constantly learning. You're constantly absorbing and, and feeding your mind this, this new knowledge and it makes you better at, at what you do so you can help more people. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So what are, how about some, uh, uh, you know, little self-development tips. What are some ways that you, you stay sharp? Like, do you, do you mm. make sure you're like, I- I'm going to listen to this many podcasts a week or are you just kind of casual about it? Or, um, because mm. c- we all, we all got to be feeding our, our inner leader, right? Mm-hmm. No, that's a really good point. So I kind of have a cadence for learning and po- whoops. And oh podcasts. Attacking you today. <laughs> Apparently. Um, and for me, podcasts are just, I love them because they're just so convenient, right? Yeah. I can be doing the most mundane thing, but I'm learning at the yeah. same time in a very, I find it entertaining way. Um, so I could be at the gym running and time just goes like this because I'm listening to friends educate me in my ear. Um, so whenever I'm at the gym, I'm listening to a podcast. Whenever I'm driving, or in the shower or doing any kind of interesting housework, I'm listening to something. And I try to make sure they range from mindset type work, emotional intelligence, entrepreneurship, kind of societal, cultural, just get a total kind of view. Because I think as business owners, we need to work not only on mindset, which is foundational, um, being able to have a growth mindset, um, being able to be curious, um, being able to to take risk, pursue possibility. These are are really critical as business owners. 
but we also have to be strategists. It's not not just great to have, yeah, right, yeah, I can take all the risk in the world, but you've got no clue <laughs> how to go about doing so. And you don't know how to read trends and see the future. So um, we also have to mind strategy and then execution, being able to create accountability structures to bring those about. So Aside from like learning through podcasts, I read, I really read when I'm on vacation. Um, I'll probably beast through like four or five books. Um, and, and then I highlight them and then read the notes like throughout the year. So just I'll go back to random books. I'm like, oh, I'm a bit rusty. What, what was that book about? And I just go through only the highlights because I read on my Kindle. And the most impactful but unspoken about learning for me is through connections yeah through communities um i'm in communities with other next geners industry groups um impact philanthropy um and then just friends just conversations like this right you right. you and and with mentors as well mentors are just like oh my god um, I'm really big on mentorship because you're just you're infusing Jacob's life journey by being open and talking. You're learning from his mistakes and from his triumphs, right? And vice versa. And you're developing your social capital as well because in being vulnerable, like, okay, this is a struggle area for me. It's like, well, I've got someone that you should really talk to who might be able to help you with that or can connect you to someone else. Um, so being generous with your expertise, generous with your networks, folks reciprocate that. And it's such, it's such a blessing. Um, so that's been a, a real way for me to, to really learn and develop is connections. I'm huge on connections. I spend a lot of time building connections, nurturing connections, and not in a transactional way, not just jump on a Zoom and be like, right, well, yeah, so yeah. here's my book, buy my book. Or <laughs> Let me get something from you. Yeah, <laughs> Let me get something from you. Like, I've got a coaching program. Do you have any clients? But really being in service to people, just, just catching up. Sometimes they may be going through grief and just being there, just yeah. um, just being there for them. And, and yeah, just continue to develop, develop that relationship over time. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's great. I mean, really the you know, the, the, a lot of the core concept of, of my podcast of the junkyard love podcast is kind of, you know, it, somebody needs something that you have, you know, like some, somebody like th there's somebody who's listening and if they're really listening, it could, it could hit them right in the right way, right at the t right time. And it, it's kind of like a, in a junkyard, you know, maybe a, a 1984 Buick Sabre front fender is not very beneficial to a lot of people, but to someone who has a Buick Sabre and they need a front fender, it's, it's the exact piece they need. So just kind of like, you know, really opening up to every conversation you have, every interaction you have, it's like, what's, what's the world trying to teach me? What's this person mm -hmm. have, have to teach me, you know, and what could I teach them? Maybe, maybe I can teach them um, some of my expertise and then that in turn teaches me something about myself, mm -hmm. you know? So mm -hmm. it's a, uh, yeah, being, being open agree. to and reciprocating to all this is. I completely important. agree. And, and the weird thing is, is that often you don't know the total impact you're making on folks' lives. You mm. don't know when you're, you, you're giving someone the thing that you have. Right. And I think the same also holds for legacy, right? 
there's there's generations I will never meet and I don't know how I would have okay. impacted them, right? Yeah. So just always just be in a place of service um, and forget about all those. We all have those niggling thoughts about how you're not good enough, you don't know anything, and you're a failure. Forget about those people. Like the more you talk over them, they just they quieten down. I rarely hear them these days. Like there's some days I wake up and I'm like, yeah, boy, you're a bit loud today. Mm. I need to do some mind makeovers. Um, but the, those thoughts are um, irrelevant in the grand scheme of things in terms yeah. of the impact you're making on people in your generation and in generations to come. Oh yeah, Be- beautifully said. You know, and, and uh, you know, just that I've covered a lot of uh, the mental health area. Um, on, on the podcast, and that is something that I've talked about before. Is you know, hey, that voice, that that inner nihilist. You know, we all we all have it sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes many of us have it a lot more. Whatever, whatever. But if you can kind of just you know stand up to it and say, nah, no, nah, no, thank you. Like, oh, or or even, oh, okay, so you're mad. You know, oh, oh, I see you. I see. I see you. Mind. You know, you're you're trying to be negative about this thing, but instead, you know, believe in yourself and focus on your ideas and focus on you know what you want to accomplish and and what you're capable of doing and what you're capable of of bringing to to the world. You know, that's it's super important. I, I love that you mentioned that like that that little nihilistic voice. I always love mm-hmm. mentioning that that Jekyll and Hyde version of ourselves. Yeah. Yes. Um, so we are getting up here in time. Um, I do want to do so. So typically, I try to find one last um, hard-hitting question. A lot of times, um, I, I would ask, you know, what does the world need more of right now? Um, mm-hmm. But for you, I think I want to frame that. Uh, if, if you're willing to answer, mm-hmm. uh, how about what what's something that that the leader in each of us could could use to hear right now? What's something that that could speak to the leader in all of us? Be powered by possibility mm-hmm. and not caged by fear. Oh, dang. I like that. <laughs> There's a lot more possibility out there and there are negative outcomes. Um, but those voices will amplify the what could go wrong, how it could go wrong. But push past those if you can and be powered by possibility because there's just an infinite amount of possibilities that the world has to offer you and you have to offer the world wow valiant i love that powered by possibility not caged by fear that's so dope i love that um okay well uh let's make sure we give the audience uh your your website where where can they find you they can find you on instagram and twitter and where are you at yeah, my website is firstnamelastname.com. So www.nikeanani.com. And I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, just at Nikia Anani everywhere. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, I will include that in the description notes. Um, and everybody, everybody go check her out. Give her a follow on Instagram. She retweets some good stuff. I was on her Twitter earlier. Um, <laughs> So, so definitely give her a follow. Uh, Nikki, I, I really appreciate your time here. Thank, thank you so thank much you. for offering your your mind to the listeners and, and your time to, to me and, and allowing me to ramble along and formulate questions as we go. It's been a great ramble and it's been great introspection, learnings and reflections. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Well, I mean, again, welcome to Austin. I know I'm kind thank of new you. myself, but welcome. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, maybe yeah. get yourself some breakfast tacos or something this weekend. <laughs> yeah. 
for sure. Well, thanks so much again. I'll see you later. Listeners, take care of yourself. Love yourself. Do not be caged by fear. Let's go. Knowledge is power.